This episode contains adult language and topics that may be disturbing for some listeners. Such topics include suicide, drug use, physical or sexual abuse of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. Crime. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Erica has been on Twitter for all of three minutes, and she's already an internet bully. So do you want to explain to our, our audience why you're an internet bully so quickly? I'm not a bully, Grant. I'm not a bully. <laughs> well, I think if you ask the governor of, of Colorado, he may disagree. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> what happened was Grant's wife... Yeah. Got me super all worked up about the John Bonet thing again, which she knows every time she brings it up that I'm going to go off all day about this. She reminded me that we had signed that petition for the governor to retest or let a private lab retest the DNA evidence from John Bonet to do genetic genealogy. Which, by the way, is you can find at change.org slash JBR if anyone's looking to go sign it. I think it's justice for JBR, but yes. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. You'll find it. I'll find it in the meantime. So, yeah, but it's already on the governor's desk. But the Boulder Police Department will not, like, even respond. So then the Ramseys take it to the governor. He, like, acknowledged that he had it and he was, like, thinking about it and then just nothing for months and all he does all day on twitter is post about like oh use my coupon code for 50 percent off rafting from blah 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 or or come stay at the great wolf lodge in colorado it's like you motherfucker you know what like do you want to work maybe like maybe it takes less than two months to read a petition on change.org like i'm sorry but if it takes you more than two months to read and consider a petition that's sitting on your desk then maybe you shouldn't be the governor of a state just saying so you guys get this in what a minute or two by the time you're gonna get it i'm gonna be hearing about this for 10 to 12 days so you know yeah maybe this is how we should bring up the the podcast every week is just bring up something that you're pissed off about and let you air it over here it just irritates me because it's like even if you don't give the answer i want like even if his answer is no like i'm gonna i'm not gonna take it away from the boulder police which he should it's like just give us an answer so we know that you're looking at it right yeah he he doesn't care. Like, and then we'll bug you next week for something else. He doesn't care. Yeah. That's what. Ugh. No, he definitely doesn't care. And that's but... the thing. <laughs> I get uh, it. He's a politician. They don't care about anybody. They don't do the right thing unless they're forced to do it. I get that. He's not just going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. I mean, he's a politician. He wouldn't be a politician <laughs> if he had morals. But it's like, just do something. Even if it's not the right thing, do the wrong thing. Do something. He did post something Ugh. about the DNA in tea, and Erica lost oh. her damn mind. Oh, give me a break. He posted like a meme about how there's insects in DNA, like like bugs in tea bags. And he wrote like, oh, I love tea. And then he put, and the title of the article was like, DNA testing on tea bags <laughs> concludes that there's nine. And I'm like, oh, oh you, it, just, so just, it just lit a fire under you to take off. Just so we're clear, you care about the DNA from T, but the DNA from a child killer in a state that you govern, you couldn't give a fuck about it. Okay, just making sure. For anyone wondering, that is actually what she tweeted word for word. So 
Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, her and the governor of Colorado don't have the best relationship right now, but I think with time they might be able to heal and mend it. Well, and the worst part is that I don't even know how to use Twitter. I made a Twitter <laughs> to be able to <laughs> yell at this guy. So I have a huge pull on Twitter with my exactly zero followers. So it's all fine. Nobody's ever going to see it. That's, I mean, we don't even have any followers. Not on that account. On our actual account, we do. <laughs> yeah. But on that one, you're right. We have nobody on that account that you. I know, but you were at work and you wouldn't give me the <laughs> password to our real Twitter. So I was at work and I was busy. <laughs> There's a difference. I wasn't keeping it from yeah, you. Yeah, I was busy too. <laughs> yeah, busy arguing with the guy from Colorado. Oh man. All right. Well, we need to get into this cuz now you now you lit me up again. This whole episode My... is going to be about like I just don't get how we have the technology to solve cases and fucking politicians stand in our way. Like I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get The science is there, the money's there, the bad guys are there, the victims' families are there. Everybody is there. Everything is in place to be able to just solve things. And it's always a fucking prosecutor or a governor or a DA or some stupid elected official that gets in everybody's way. If you're wondering, yeah, my entire household has riled up Erica all day today. So we should yeah. probably get I into I think this. you guys do this on purpose. <laughs> like you guys have like a boring week and you're like, all right, what can we set her off on? Like, and then you guys like take bets, huh? On like how far I'll take this. Yeah, we actually look up current events to see what will make you the most upset and then try to rile you up. So- this was today's. Yeah, well, it worked. So, Well, at least it worked. Let's get into this case tonight because this case is going to really rile you up. This is another case. I don't know anything about it. Eric is telling me the story. And actually, this one is to commemorate our 60th episode. That's right. From Crime to Crime has posted 60 episodes as of this recording. Yeah, that's kind of exciting. 60 episodes. Yeah. It doesn't feel like we've been doing it that long. But then other days it feels like we're ready to be done with this. So... <laughs> I don't know. If you want more episodes or less episodes, go to our Instagram at From Crime to Crime. Yeah. All right. So let's get into this episode tonight. We're going to talk about the Richardson family murders. You heard of this one? No, but you know I love a good murder story. Okay. So I figured you probably hadn't, even though it's a ex extremely well-known case. Like, I was pretty sure you hadn't heard of it. So There's a chance that I do know it, and I just don't know it from the words that you said. So let's get into it, and I'll let you know if what, I, what I know or probably don't know. All right. Mark Richardson met his wife, Deborah, in 1990 at the gym. They live in Canada. Is this our first Canadian case? No. We also did an episode on Amber Tuckerow, remember? I do remember that one now that you said it, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we're in Canada, 1990. Mark and Deborah click right away. They both had substance abuse problems when they were young, but they were both super committed to being sober and living a clean life. Like they were really into their sobriety. So they fall in love and get married the next year. Mark works in the oil and gas industry as like some kind of technician or engineer or something. And Deborah, when they first got married, cleaned houses. And she's been described as like the happiest person you'll ever meet. Super huge smile, just alive, just happy to be alive. After a couple of years of them being married, they had a daughter named Jasmine in 1993. And then a couple of years later in 1998, they had a son named Jacob. So two kids, husband and wife, they're doing great. Mark's company promoted him and they relocated him from where they were living in Canada to a place called Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. But that's cool. Medicine Hat's a really cool name. And I believe yeah. it's just above like Idaho. 
I've looked it up before, not for this case, but just because I was wondering where Medicine Hat was. I think it's just above Idaho and like Montana. Oh, another fun fact about Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada, is it's the sunniest place in Canada. Oh, that is a fun fact. Hmm. And Terry Clark is from Medicine Hat. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Head Carolina, Tails California. Why are you singing a Jody Messina song? No, because... Because you thought it was Terry Clark. Yeah, of course. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. Well, now we know. Well, I always knew. So, All right. So by 2006, the family was doing super well. Mark's job's going great. They aren't rich by any means, but they're doing really good. They're comfortable. They were able to buy like a three-bedroom house in a decent neighborhood. Deborah was super interested in Reiki. Oh. And like Wicca and all kinds of like holistic practices. And she was actually in the process of starting her own holistic therapy business. Like... She had quit cleaning houses, and she was really focused on all of this. Oh, that's interesting. I kind of dig yeah. that. I yeah. actually super dig it that she just kind of dropped her normal thing to just kind of jump into being a Reiki master. Yeah. And we have a friend who's a Reiki master, so hi, Ella. I didn't know if she was or not yet, but yeah, hi, Ella. I, I knew she was working on that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she... I'm pretty sure she is. Well, if she's not, a she's a Reiki master in our minds, no matter what. Yeah. Anyway... By this time, Jasmine, their daughter, is like 12 and Jacob is like 8. And they go to a private Christian school and they're super close. People say she's a great big sister. You know, he adores her. They're just like really close. Jasmine is like a normal preteen. She's interested in art. She does well in school. She's liked by all of her friends. And Jacob was known as the class clown. He's like a funny little 8-year-old boy. I like him already. Yeah. So on a nice Sunday morning in April of 2006, this little boy named Gareth, who is Jacob's best friend and neighbor, asks his mom if he could go to Jacob's house. So she looks out the window and she sees Mark's truck in the driveway. So she's like, yeah, I guess they're home. And so she told Gareth that he could go over there. A few minutes later, he comes running back pretty freaked out. And he tells his mom that he saw bodies with blood on them through the basement window at Jacob's house. Oh, damn. Yeah. So she goes to check it out, and when she looked in, she saw the bloody body of Mark lying on the basement floor. And she also saw a body of what she thought was Deborah, covered in blood, kind of like behind a couch. So she flips out and calls the police, obviously. Fair enough. And when the police arrive, they go in and they find 42-year-old Mark deceased in the basement. He was wearing just his boxer shorts and he was face up. With And they described his hands being like up, like in a fighting stance almost. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. And they could tell he put up a fight. I mean, there was blood everywhere. And they mm. also found 48-year-old Deborah covered in blood and also deceased. So this is not good. No, not a good situation at all. And we're going to find the kids soon, I imagine. Yeah. So the investigators, after they find the parents in the basement, they head up the stairs just praying that the kids are, I don't know, asleep or at a friend's house or something. And that's where things go from bad to worse. So if you don't like to hear about really terrible things that happen to children, I would skip ahead for a while. Uh, How do I skip ahead? Um, you don't. You get to hear about all this because I had to. Oh, so, shit. all right. I hate this yep. part. This is my worst. This is the worst yep. part of this entire podcast is listening to things that happen to kids. But okay. So they go into eight-year-old Jacob's room and they find him deceased on his bed, covered in blood, and 
almost everything in his room was covered in blood. His stuffed animals. Next to him on the bed was a lightsaber that the investigators, like, heartbreakingly described as they think he used that to try to defend himself like a toy lightsaber. Oh, my God. And it was covered in blood. Erica. Why are we doing this? Yeah. It's it's terrible. Yeah. Sounds like it. So they head across the hall to Jasmine's room and they find blood on the light switch in her bedroom. But she's not in her bedroom. So immediately they issue an Amber Alert because they're like, oh, my God, the 12 year old daughter's missing and the whole family's murdered. They also kind of take a mental note that they feel like it might be somebody who knows the family because apparently it's and I never really thought about this, but it's not very common for intruders to turn on and off lights when they commit crimes like this. Because either, one, they don't know where the light switches are in a house because it's not theirs. Or they're not comfortable turning the light on because they're not supposed to be there. Right. So they take, like, a mental note of that, but then the hunt's on. They issue an Amber Alert right right away, and they start trying to find Jasmine. Well, while they're investigating what's happened here to this family and trying to figure out what happened to Jasmine, they go to her school because they're like, well, maybe there's some something. So they go to her guidance counselor and the counselor opens up the locker so that they could look through it. And that's where this story takes a swift left turn. Okay. I don't know what the hell's going on. In Jasmine's locker, they found super interesting stuff like a DIY comic strip, like a paneled comic strip that she drew herself. Uh-huh. Um, but it wasn't like super funny or cute or like of animals. It started with like stick figures that kind of matched up with like her mom and her dad and her brother. What? And they're like, let's go on a walk. And then her stick figure was like behind them and had like a sad face and X's for eyes. And oh, man. It quickly progressed in this stick figure thing to her stick figure pouring gasoline in a sprinkler and soaking the family in it and then burning them alive oh my gosh this and then girl man like oh my god yeah and then this poor girl she's the one drawing him yeah she's 12 and having these kind of ideations yeah Yeah. this poor girl she's a little girl she's not trying to do this stuff oh my gosh Yeah. So then in one of the drawings, it says that it shows like her stick figure running to a truck that's labeled Jeremy's truck. Uh Oh, what? Yeah. So the investigators are like, this is a huge red flag, like because now we got to figure out who the fuck Jeremy is and why this little 12 year old girl is drawing these really sketchy drawings. Jeremy, just the name is kind of a red flag usually. So this checks out. (laughs) That's funny. I'm not wrong. <laughs> so, I know. That's why Pearl Jam wrote a song about him. Oh, did they? I know Eddie, yes, any better in Pearl Jam, but. You know the song, Jeremy. I have no idea about this song. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's a pretty famous Pearl Jam song. Any long, don't sidetrack me. This could be a long episode. Sorry. Okay. So the counselor, the guidance counselor from her school, explains to the police that recently they've seen a real big change in Jasmine and that a few months before when Jasmine was just like 11, she started getting really involved in the in the goth scene. Oof. Okay. You know, like oh, yeah. black eyeliner and black low. You know. You know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know the goth. Yeah. 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 No issues with so. the goths. No issues. Just I know. Grant has a sister who's a goth. Is she? Is she like an emo? Oh, is that not the same thing? I don't think so. She's. Oh well, I don't want to offend anybody. That's not. My... I just thought that was the same thing. No, she's. <laughs> I guess she's more mentally ill than anything, but uh, <laughs> probably more. I don't know. She's everything. Anyway, 
So Jasmine's hanging out with like other goth kids and listening to bands like the Misfits and Cradle of Filth and all this stuff, which is like not super cool for an 11 year old. It's also not goth. That's super punk. Okay, well, I'm just telling you what happened here. They're very different, though. So, I mean, is she a punk kid or a goth kid? I feel like she's 11, so she doesn't really know the difference. She doesn't know enough to be like, today I'm goth, tomorrow I'm punk, the next day I'm emo. Like, she's just kind of all the things. She just wants to be an outcast. She's dressing like Avril Lavigne. I gotcha. There we go. (laughs) Put it that way. Yeah, so she starts wearing inappropriate clothes to school, short skirts, fishnets, chains, big boots, spiked collars, you know, (laughs) like the goth scene. Yeah, still sounds emo, but yeah. Okay, whatever, Grant. Stop (laughs) with your semantics, okay? Either way, this is not going over super awesome at her real strict private Christian school that she goes to. (laughs) Nope. This would give somebody a heart attack. Yeah. So the school contacts her parents and is like, hey... Your kid can't come to school with dog collars on. Like, that's not a cool thing. But her parents, trying to be, like, cool and understanding, they were like, well, she's not hurting anybody by wearing fishnets on her arms. Like, well, how does that hurt anybody? They were just like, oh, she's trying to express herself. She's artistic. They were trying to be good parents, you know? And so the school was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, her grades aren't slipping. I guess, you know, we'll kind of let it slide. But, like, she can't wear super inappropriate stuff. Anyway, they worked that out. So the cops are like, well, now obviously we need to change this Amber Alert to an arrest warrant and figure out what the hell is going on. They decide to look at her digital footprint because they don't know how else to track her down. So they're like, does this kid have email? And like, is she talking to her friends? Like, where is she? So when they start looking into this, they realize that when she started this goth phase or emo or punk or whatever the hell you want to call it. Stop getting the semantics. Let's, Let's go. Come on. Yeah. She also started getting involved. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. She also started getting involved in some online activity like MySpace. Oh, man. Yeah. Which we all had. That's normal. We did. But she lied and said she was 16 when she was 11. Oh. I did that on AOL chat rooms, but. Yeah. So her username was XMadnessX. Very, whatever. A very, uh, emo appropriate name for that time period definitely yeah but we're not just talking about myspace and aim like the rest of us she also had online profiles at places like vampirefreaks.com oh i didn't see i didn't see that coming yeah where she lied and said she was 15 i don't know why you wouldn't just lie yeah the same on all of like if you're 16 on MySpace, why wouldn't you be sick? Like, this is how you get... Never mind. She's 11. She's not good at lying. So her username on VampireFreaks.com, though, is Killer Kitty. Oh, God. Yeah, so this is just getting, like, worse and worse and worse. Like, this this is not appropriate for an 11-year-old, you know? I'm uncomfortable, and I'm 35. Yeah. So she also had a profile on a... A website called Zorpia.com. And she lied and said she was older on that, too. And she used the username Runaway Devil. Oh, God. Um, Do we have any context of what Zorpia.com is? No, I didn't even bother to look it up because I don't want to get... I don't want that in my search history. I don't know what it is. Nope. Okay. I already had to look up way too much weird stuff for this episode. I was like, I'm not doing weird that, too. I don't care. (laughs) Okay. I'm assuming it's a place where emo kids go and talk to each other about how they hate the world. I don't know. But she had other, like, usernames and email addresses and two, like, Dying Resurrection and just, like... Wow. 
I don't know. It was like real intense. They were like, what is going on here? So the authorities start looking at all these profiles and all these email addresses and everything. And she was obnoxious and annoying on these websites because she's fucking 11. And that's why they're not supposed to be on them. Sure. She listed her interests as serial killers, hatchets, criminal psychology, blood, moonlight, human anatomy, and kinky shit. Oh, oh my God. She's 11. Yeah. First of all, do you know what that word means? And second of all, how do you know what that word means? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, stop it. By the way, Zorbia was an international social media platform at one point. Yeah, for goth kids. I guess. It doesn't go into detail on that. So these interests are fine if you're like 36, but if you're 11, this is like not cool. And her heroes on her MySpace page were listed as Dahmer, Batman, Chris Angel, and Marilyn Manson. What? These people are listed as her heroes, though, like Dahmer. Obviously, they're interesting people, but like heroes? Come on, kid. So she also starts posting lyrics from like emo songs and punk songs and like just really annoying stuff. And I totally forgot that was a thing when people used to post lyrics to songs. <laughs> oh, dude, people used to post like the full entire song, song. like printed out. Why do we do that? So dumb. I don't know. If you did it, I didn't do it. I was not that dumb. I don't remember if I did. I'm sure I did, but I don't know. I'm sure you like, did, I too. feel like my MySpace was lame because everybody was into, like, pop music, and I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to this Clay Walker song on my MySpace, so I'm pretty sure nobody listened to the lyrics on my MySpace. <laughs> I don't even remember if I had a MySpace song. Like, I remember that was a huge thing. Yeah, everybody did. You had to put, like, a song on your thing, so when people were looking at your profile... A song Remember played. when you can go from like a top eight to six or 12 or all, so you can move it all, all around? <laughs> Man, I remember when I made someone's yeah. like top whatever, I was like, damn, they really appreciate me. Stupid. <laughs> 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 okay. Let's move on because we're really aging ourselves here with this MySpace thing. Anyway, when they're checking all this stuff out in her MySpace and her VampireSluts.com <laughs> or whatever, they realize that she's talking a lot to a kid named Jeremy Stein. Yeah, of course she is. I mean, we all knew that was coming. Yeah, because the Jeremy's truck thing and the comic strips. They're like, bingo, this has got to be our kid that she's talking to. I hope it's a kid. It's not a kid, so, though, is it? It's like a 40-year-old man. Okay. So they look into this kid, Jeremy Stanky. The first thing that catches them pretty off guard is that he is not a kid. <laughs> oh, no. So. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not 40, though. He's 23, which is just as bad. Yeah. It's the same thing at that point. Yeah. Anything over 12 <laughs> is inappropriate. Yeah. When you're 23, really, truly anything, I yeah. guess, 18, but 20 is probably should be your cutoff. Yeah, exactly. So the investigators are like, well, this is perfect. We have an 11-year-old all over social media posting about blood and serial killers, and she's having some sort of relationship with a fucking pedophile. Like, what is happening? Yeah, it's just getting worse. Yeah. So they start looking into Jeremy's background, and they find nothing good. <laughs> There's a surprise. I have, like, zero sympathy for this guy because you'll find out in a little bit. But when they look into his background, he had a terrible childhood. Oof. I don't wish it on anybody. I don't care what he did later on in life. Like, his childhood sucked. They find out that his parents are, like, raging alcoholics, super abusive. His mom finally leaves his biological father after I don't know how long. And after that, she just brought abusive men, like, on a loop 
around Jeremy's life growing up. Like every couple of months, a new abusive boyfriend, and then she'd marry him, and then he'd beat Jeremy up, oh. and that like it was just over and over and over. You, you hate to see those cycles, and they keep happening. Like that's yeah, you got to be the break of that cycle. You know, like that's the only way we're gonna yep. see any kind of change. So if you're in a Hard spot. Let's break the cycle. So she married a few of these guys and they all abused him. Even she admits some more than others. Some were really bad. And the abuse with all of them got worse as Jeremy got older and he would try to stand up for his mom when she was getting abused. It's just like a rough life that she's leading and she's dragging her kid through. And at one point she was even charged with stabbing one of her husbands. And then she kept getting in trouble because she wouldn't stop dating the guy after she was on probation for stabbing him. Like it's, there's a lot going you could, on. This was yeah. just, yeah, she was not winning any mother of the year awards. Let's just put it that way. So Jeremy never fit in anywhere. They moved around a lot. Like, so that made it hard for him to make friends. And he had major behavior and anger problems, obviously. And he never did well in school. And he started drinking a lot, smoking weed. But he was also doing like mushrooms and coke and ecstasy. So like really messing with the chemistry of his brain at a really young age. Yeah, and he was bullied quite a bit in school. Obviously, the kids called him Jeremy Stinky because his last name was Stinky, and he kind of looks like he would stink, so. You were that bully again. (laughs) What? (laughs) You called him Jeremy Stinky. I'm explaining how the kids (laughs) called him Jeremy Stinky. And then you said he looks stinky. You're playing into it. You're a bully. I'm sorry. If you look like you stink, I'm going to point it out. (laughs) Take a shower. Fair. I'll give it to you. Especially, I'm sorry, but if talking shit on a pedophile makes me a bully, then I guess I'm a bully because I'm going to do it every time. I get it. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. We can bully pedophiles. So it's totally fine. Yeah. So by the 10th grade, he leaves his mom's house and he drops out of high school because he wasn't really going anyway. He's couch surfing from friend to friend, like just trying to survive. He suffered from ADHD and there's kind of a really high possibility that he has fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. That tracks. Seems to go all right in line with what's going on. Yeah, so he tried a few times over the next few years to get jobs and survive, but by 2005, he was 22, unemployed, uneducated, and he decided to move back home with his mom in her trailer. So right around this time is when he discovered the goth, emo, punk scene. For once, he fit in. Mostly because he was 22 and they were all like 11 and 12. So they were like, oh, this older guy, he's our leader now. Yikes. Oh, God. Yeah, this is... Yeah, so... So somehow with these young, troubled kids, he became like their, I don't know, he was like popular. He was the cool guy, you know, and he really leaned in hard to this, like fully embrace this new lifestyle that he was living. So at some point, Jeremy and Jasmine are in this same group of friends and they're all on these same websites together. The vampire groupies one and all that stuff. So yeah. And his username was Soul Eater. Just so we know where he's at. Oh my God. Like he's asking to be the leader of this like tiny mafia. Yeah. 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 And his interests were posted on there too. Some of them included his werewolf brethren. (laughs) Okay. Marilyn Manson. Oh. Corn. <laughs> Blood, pain, like all that emo stuff. But his dislikes were what was more interesting. He disliked cops, accordions. Accordions. Yeah. Sex workers and the N-word. Okay. 
All oh, right. But not that he disliked the word. Like he actually, he, this kid's a racist. Oh, that really, that went yeah. over my head. Yeah. I thought he disliked yeah. the N word. And I was like, I mean, he doesn't sound no, no. the worst in this no, no, part, no, no. but. No, he actually put the word. I just didn't. Say oh, I see. Okay. So, but, he, so he's, yeah. he's terrible. He's just awful all the way around. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, All he's same... creepy, he's a pedophile, he's a loser, he's a ra- rapist. Gotcha, you know. okay. So, perfect. This is what we're dealing with. Jasmine and Jeremy were formally introduced to each other by a mutual friend named Kaylee, who is also like 13 and kind of just in and out of trouble and runaway and all that stuff. So, Kaylee introduces them at an all-ages punk show. In person? So, yes. Oh, what? How did this 11-year-old get to a punk show? Because uh, her parents were letting her go to hang out with her friends and stuff oh. you know? and it's at an all ages club which can we just stop it yes. with the all ages clubs there Absolutely. is no point to this we can have underage clubs if you want to have a club that kids can go and be safe and have fun and listen to music cool but can we please not let 23 year old jeremy's in there like there's no point to have an all ages club no i completely like, agree let's have an over the age club and an under the age club and the two should never we don't need mix. To mingle. The two should never yeah. ever mix. Yeah. So Jeremy and Jasmine hit it off immediately because they're both into the same stuff and they bond over the whole woe is me, the world doesn't understand me, you know, all that junk. Right. Jeremy also tells Jasmine that he is a three hundred year old werewolf. <laughs> yeah, you are, bud. Yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. So if you thought 23 was too old to be dating a 12-year-old, 300 is like 200% more pedophile right? Like, that's a lot more. Oh, I love that. Does that apply to werewolves, though? Like, it, are, yeah. sorry, I couldn't even get Shit. it out. Like, of course. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the rules. So obviously, they keep their relationship a secret because it's not a relationship. It's she's fucking 12. It's a crime. <laughs> Yeah. And also because Jasmine knows her parents aren't going to let her date anyone at 12, let alone a 300 year old werewolf. And that's good parenting, though. Yeah. And Jeremy's cool with keeping it a secret because it's a fucking felony. So he's like, yeah, let's quiet on that. Yeah. So they mostly just talk on the phone and the interwebs and they see each other at the mall and friends parties and these fucking underage clubs. Around this time, Jasmine's parents, Mark and Deborah, they start to get concerned about her because of all this, I don't know, eyeliner. Like, <laughs> obviously, look at her. They're concerned. Yeah. And they caught her hanging out with what they would not call a good crowd. You know, all these runaways, dropouts, druggies, older guys like Jeremy. I know this very well. Yeah. And they got really concerned when she started hanging out with people that called themselves Raven and Trenchcoat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. This guy's nickname is Trenchcoat. Yeah. Like, come on. That's so kind of a cool nickname. And she's going to all these punk shows. So so her parents were like, this is, sh- we're not doing this, you know. So they started pulling in the reins a little bit. Like, hey, maybe you don't get so much freedom at 12. This is when she starts bucking the system and disrespecting her parents, teachers at school, her guidance counselor. Like, she was just changing. Like, her whole personality, everything was changing. One example of this is that she told her guidance counselor at school that she wanted to go into foster care. Jeez. Yeah, and when her guidance counselor was like, why? Like, what's going on at home that you'd want to go into foster care? And she's like, well, my parents don't let me hang out with my boyfriend or my friends or go to punk shows, and they're grounding me from doing all these things that I like to do, and so now I have to sneak out and go do them anyways. And so she thought if she could just go into foster care, all of her problems are solved. Tons of freedom in foster care. Yeah. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. She's 12. Right. She can't see past the end of her nose. She doesn't she didn't know what she's talking about. And so her counselor was like, so your parents aren't beating you? And she's like, oh, God, no. No. And they were like, go back to class. Yeah. You stupid bitch. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. So anyway, I'm also going to have to read some of these email transcripts between the two of these idiots. Not all of them, but some of them. Just so you have an idea of what a relationship between a 12 and a 23-year-old might look like. Because I had to read them, so now you get to be traumatized too. Uh, I was just going to ask if we could bypass them, but now I know that we can't. All right. Nope. And when I say relationship between a 12 and a 23-year-old, like that's very loose. I'm not. That's not what was going on here. A crime between a 12 and a 23-year-old. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Just making sure. <laughs> I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying here. So one of Jeremy's email accounts was Morbid Flames. And I I like to read you these account names because they're so fucking ridiculous. Like, come on. You guys are trying way too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Way too hard. Which is like the whole reason I never understood the whole like goth emo thing. It's like, how long does it take you to put all that stuff on every day? I agree. I'm a shorts and a t-shirt kind of guy. I don't need to wear yeah. trench coats and raven claws and stuff like that. 87 bracelets and yeah. oh face masks. And it's like, oh my gosh, it just takes too much time. I just grew a beard so I, didn't have to, so I could avoid makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from his Morbid Flames email account, he sent her an email around Valentine's Day asking her to be his girlfriend. Mm, cute. <laughs> Which she, I guess, accepted because they become boyfriend and girlfriend, but that is not a thing. Their first official date as boyfriend and girlfriend, like they like to, you know, Mm -hmm. abuser and victim, was at an all-ages punk show, which, again, stop it with these. Yeah, like you're just asking for old dudes to bring their dates, like their young dates. Like this is weird stuff, guys. Quit putting these on. When he took her to this all ages punk show as their first date, that's when I would have been like, okay, bye. This isn't working out, but she didn't. So her parents started monitoring her online activity around this time because of the way she was being disrespectful and shitty to them. And so they were like, what's going on with her? And they got pretty upset when they read that they were sending emails back and forth, calling each other shit like cuddle bunny and saying that they want to go somewhere to be alone and saying I love you and all this kind of stuff. And he was telling her that he wrote a song for her and it's all covered in TTYLs and teehees and he's that kind of guy that spells cool, K-E-W-L, you know? So You know you're cool. You know you're cool when you spell it that way. So her parents snapped, obviously, and they took her computer away from her. They were like, no, you're grounded from ever going on the internet again because this is ridiculous. Like, you're 12. Stop it. Right. That didn't go over super well. With Jasmine, she was pretty upset about that. And things were rough for a while. So Deborah and Mark decided to go to family counseling with Jasmine. And this actually seemed to help. She wasn't hanging out with Jeremy anymore. And she was getting along with her parents a little better. Or so they thought. Until one night, they decided to reward her by letting her go to an all-ages punk show. Oh, oh, why? Why would... In the best of times, this is a bad idea. Why would you do this in the worst of times? Well, they're trying to reward her for the progress she's made in counseling, which I get. But not with this. Yeah. You can do other things, but you can't go to this. You're not allowed. Yeah. You should have never been allowed. Absolutely right? not. Why yeah. on earth would they be like, well, yeah. and let me guess, they probably didn't go with her, did they? They did. That was their only stipulation was that she could go, but they had to go with her. Okay. All right. I'm less mad. Yeah. So it's a little better. Yeah. I'm less mad. I am. Yeah. So at the show, they're watching her. She's doing weird things. I don't know. 
down by the stage, and then I'm sure there was a mosh pit or something super weird. And which is like, can they do that now? COVID made mosh pits not a thing anymore, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I was never into mosh pits to begin with. Really? You seem totally moshy kind of guy. No, I don't. I'm kidding. I, oh, okay, good. I was going to yeah. say, I, I wanted yeah. nothing to do with those. So at this show, they lost sight of her for a minute. And at first, they were just kind of like, ah, she's down there somewhere, you know? And then by the time they realized, like, shit, she's not down there, they started looking everywhere for her, in the bathroom, everywhere. They finally find her in an alley behind the venue. Oh, my God. And she was making out with and being groped by Jeremy. Oh my God. Oh, who? Oh, did the they dad, didn't know. Did the dad just fucking annihilate him? No. Oh, uh, that would have been my go to. That would have been my go to. Yeah. But they didn't know that this guy was like the guy she was talking to. On You know, he just took off running. And they're like, you, young lady, are coming with us and you're never going to see daylight again. Right. That's the correct answer. Yeah. So they tighten the reins, like, pretty tight. Like, as tight as they probably should have been from the beginning. Yeah. And she's grounded permanently. <laughs> like, you're just grounded until you're an adult. And they take everything away from her, like her computer, everything. But this doesn't stop her and Jeremy from seeing each other. She uses the computer at school or at the library or friends' computers to talk to him still. And she calls him late at night, like when her parents are asleep, and she's sneaking out of the house to go see him. Oh, my God. Like, what do you... In the middle of the night. So, I've lived in a similar situation to this, and there, like, I know people are gonna be like, what are the parents... Like, there's really nothing the parents can do. It sounds like they've done pretty much everything. Oh, yeah. They made every right decision in this, like, they've literally made every decision, except maybe not letting her go to punk shows in the first place, but, I mean, she was gonna meet him either way. They were on that vampire's website, so... Yep. So around this time, Jasmine starts complaining to her friends about how strict her parents are, and that they're taking away all of her stuff and not letting her see Jeremy, and her friends are like, yeah, because you're 12, right. and he's gross. <laughs> yeah. Like, get over it. Like, her friends were totally like, your parents are fucking right, dude. Like, chill out. And at the same time, Jeremy starts complaining to his friends or, I don't know, drug dealers. I don't know. It seems like his <laughs> friends are people that he buys drugs from him. So whatever. That would make sense. Yeah. So he starts complaining to them about Jasmine's parents being super strict and not letting her do anything. And he never gets to see her and all this stuff. And they're like, yeah. Well, that's what happens when you date a seventh grader, dude. <laughs> this makes all the sense in the world, of course. Yeah, like stop being gross and it's fine. So no one understands their love and their bond, you know, like they do. And this is what they bond over is that they're so misunderstood and they're different. and Nobody understands their love story and blah, 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 blah. So by like March, so like a month into them dating, their emails and messages start turning dark. Like, kind of gross. Oh, kind of gross now? I mean, yeah. I don't know if you yeah. know, but they yeah. were caught making out in the alleyway earlier, so uh, yeah, yeah. We we've arrived. Yeah. So one day after she had snuck out to see him the night before, he sends her an email. So to Runaway Devil from Soul Eater, and the subject is, hey, sexy. Oh, of course. She's 12. Like, 12. You know what I mean, though? Like, like they know this is bad yeah. and stuff, and like, they're just- they're try he is trying to make it even worse you know because like i know real relationships you don't like hey sexy like when was the last time you addressed yeah. matt as sexy in writing or in any <laughs> other way like you know <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm trying to think about that, but I feel like if I did, he would think I was joking. Of course. Like, he'd be like, are you drunk? Like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fine if, if he's like, hey, beautiful or whatever, but like, hey, sexy. Like, that's a joke. <laughs> that's a funny thing to yeah. say. It's not like a, you know, real not term. Not to a 12 year Yeah. Though. It's not a real term of endearment, you idiot. Yeah. Well, he doesn't know that. He's an idiot. So do you want to hear what this email has to say? Because it's pretty... No, I don't, to be completely yeah. honest, but you're going to make me anyway, so... Yeah, you have to know. So, subject, hey, sexy, it says, how goes it? <laughs> you are a sight for... <laughs> yeah, how goes it? <laughs> That's it's very Canadian. So, <laughs> you are a sight for sore eyes, and I miss you more than killing people. What? Can... <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says. Can we get together and kill people together? Oh my God. Like we need to do a video podcast because my jaw is on the fucking floor right now. Yeah. He says, I have a poem for you and you shall see it when I see you. Tee hee hee. Well, I guess I should go. Love you tons. Oh my God. Okay. Tee hee hee. I know the tee hee got me. I was like, oh my God. Just the spelling cool, K-E-W-L and tee hee hee and T-T-Y-L. It's like, okay, BRB. <laughs> Like, Jesus, this is so ridiculous. So anyway, Jasmine's response to this email is killing people. Sounds like fun. Haha. <laughs> yes, we shall. I miss you to a large, large amount that cannot be contained in mere words. I wish to see this poem. Love you. <sighs> so this is batshit crazy. I hate all of this. I do. Yeah, and why do they talk like that? I don't understand. Like, they're being so, like... Stupid. Like, is it because he's a 300-year-old werewolf? He has to, like, <laughs> talk weird, or... Yeah. Like, does that have something to do with the whole thing, or what? I... I I don't know. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't know. Just checking if you know. This is getting out of hand real quick. Yeah, so it gets worse. Around this time, Jeremy gives Jasmine a vial of his blood as a gift. What year was this? 2006, yes. The Billy Bob yeah. Thornton thing had already gone down. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I was going to say, like, this was so, like, yeah. Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're not even original, dude. That's stupid. So, and it was weird when they did it. Yeah. Like, come on. So he sends stupid emails. Like, one of his emails says, What of the vile blood I gave you? What are your words on expressing your thoughts on the item of love I gave to you? Hmm. Like, what are you writing an essay that has to have like a certain amount of work? Why don't you just say, hey, babe, do you like the blood I gave you? Because their thing is being weird and he doesn't quite know how to be weird in a cool way. C-O-O-L. <laughs> um, so he is just trying to go with whatever he's got to like sound like he's so mysterious and cool. But dude, you're not cool. Maybe. Yeah. He sends shit like this all the time. And he sends shit like, when are we going to get together and kill people? I I don't like any of this, Erica. I gotta be honest. Like, these are the emails they're sending each other. It's real fucked up. Did they not have an FBI person, like, investigating them yet? Like, were, were the FBI not- Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, does Canada not have that? Uh, I'm like, I feel like somebody should have seen this happening. Although it's 2006. Maybe that was before everybody had an FBI agent. That's what I was thinking, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's Canada. They have their own Mountie, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what their FBI is called. We should have asked Chris before we started this. Dang it. Anyway- this is the kind of stuff they're sending to each other. And he starts talking to his friends about how him and Jasmine have been sneaking out and meeting up and stuff. And that they're going to kill her parents. Like in the movie Natural Born Killers, which is their favorite movie. And he describes it as the best love story of all time. Oh my god. Which I find very offensive to Clueless. <laughs> 
Is that a love story? <laughs> Clueless? Are you kidding me? It's the best love story of all time. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm sure I've seen it. I don't remember anything about it. Alicia Silverstone falls in love with Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's in that? Oh, my God. Okay, we're moving on. We have way bigger fish to fry here with this story. Add it to the list. So, by the you have me so worked up today. I don't know what it is. Did I drink too much coffee or something today? Yep. Ugh. So, by the end of March, Jasmine is sending messages that say shit like, I hate them, I have this plan, it begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you, so are we set, I'm gonna try to call you tonight, but I don't, I don't really know if I'll be able to, they're treating me like shit, I hate them so much, but I hope this won't bring us far apart, I hope to talk to you soon, love you, blah blah blah. Oh my god. Yeah. So Jeremy's response to this email was, well, I love your plan, but we need to get a little more creative with like the details and stuff. I wish they wouldn't treat you that way. Grr. It angers me to hear that. I dislike them very much. Don't worry. I love you too, my sexy beast. Oh my God. I hope I hear from you soon. Then it goes on to be all like nonsensical shit about if he dies, she can have his heart because... He won't be able to tell her he loves her anymore because he'll be dead. So she'll have to like take his heart. It's like this. And it doesn't even make sense. There's like a ton of spelling errors. You can't even read it because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't sound like it makes any sense. Yeah. So around this time, he is posting poems on his page about killing his girlfriend's parents. And he is not a poet, but he thinks he is. <laughs> so they're terrible. Not Also not reading them because they're like not, they don't even rhyme. So it just sounds like words. At this point, it becomes obvious that they're sneaking out more and more. And they're also having sex by this time. Jeremy starts asking his friends to help him kill her parents because she's going to break up with him if he doesn't do it soon. And is anybody in on this? Is anybody like, yeah, no, we'll, we'll totally do that with you. No problem. Uh, No. His friends all say, uh, no, that's a terrible idea. Oh, you probably okay. shouldn't kill her parents. Also, you should let her break up with you because she's 12. Yeah. And you're an adult. Like, no, the friends were all, like, pretty, even though they're, like, not great characters, some of them are coke dealers, and, you know, they're like, hey, but we're not child molesters, so maybe you should stop that. It's pretty bad when the coke dealer's not the worst person in the story. Yeah. He even asked him and bugged him to help him get and he's like dude i'm not a murderer i just sell coke to kids like relax <laughs> yeah oh so they all say no but nobody tells any adults like nobody goes to the cops or i don't know to deborah and mark and says hey look uh your daughter's still dating that old guy and they're gonna kill you nothing nobody says anything to anybody which is why they're on our podcast yeah so by the middle of april so they're like two months into them dating. Like, this is not serious. He starts posting on public forums on their vampire websites that he's going to kill her parents. Like, he's publicly posting it and still nobody says anything. That's crazy. Like, that's crazy to me that, like, this is going on and it's just kind of gets swept under the rug. But I guess this is accurate for that time. Yep. So this is where we get to Saturday, April 22nd. The Richardsons have a barbecue in the backyard. You know, just like a Saturday afternoon barbecue with their family. Sure. And Gareth, the little neighbor kid, he was over, had dinner, and then went home. So they have a great Saturday. Everything's good. Then Jasmine takes a bath. Her family just kind of hangs out. Everybody goes to bed. At the same time that they're doing all of this, Jeremy buys a 12-pack of beer and a bunch of pot. He smokes a couple bowls with the guy that he buys the pot from, and then he should have just gone home, drank the beer, and went to bed like the loser that he is. <laughs> But instead, he went 
back to his trailer. He finished his 12 beers, then drank all his mom's beers that she had in the fridge. And when that was gone, he found a bottle of vodka that his mom had and started drinking that too. Oh, wow. Later that night, Jeremy took his mom's truck and showed up at his friend Jordan's house. And Jordan was one of the kids that was like, not cool with this whole kill her parents plan. But he'd been bugging him to help him. And so Jordan had been avoiding him. So he just like shows up at Jordan's house and was like, dude, you got to go help me kill Jasmine's parents. And Jordan's like, go the fuck Uh, home and go to bed. No, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. I absolutely do not. Yeah. So Jeremy leaves. He calls Jordan again later that night and threatens him. Like, if I find out that you went to the police and told them about this, I'm going to kill you and da 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 And Jordan was like, dude, just go to bed. Like, stop this. You're being crazy. Yeah. So Jeremy goes home, but he doesn't go to bed. He has a few friends over, and they watch Natural Born Killers. Oh, no. Again. I've never seen that movie. I don't know how good it is. I don't know if it's one of those movies you could watch over and over and over or not. Yeah. But it certainly doesn't sound like it. Sounds like there's a lot of murder and incest, and it's like one of those ones where you watch it, and you're like, whew, and then you don't ever watch it again. (laughs) Right. It does sound like that. Yeah. So- Apparently in this movie, there's a point where the couple kills her parents, but then her little brother comes out or something, and in the movie, they don't kill the brother. They're like, you're free now, just go. And Jeremy said out loud to his friends, that's where our story's going to be different. Jasmine's going to kill her brother. Oh, Erica, I hate all of this. Mm Mm-hmm. So, of course, all of his friends are like, cool, bro, cool story. And then they leave because they're like, yeah, this guy's a fucking loon. Around 3 a.m., Jeremy is somehow still awake, but he shouldn't be. So he heads over to his Coke dealer's house. Witnesses that were at the Coke dealer's house said he snorted at least six lines while he was there. And he was still drinking vodka out of the bottle. And at the dealer's house, he was drinking vampire brand wine and took an ecstasy pill. Oh my God, this guy's gearing up to, to go all out. Yeah, I don't know how drugs work, but this seems like too much. I am right there with you. I don't know if six lines of Coke is a lot or not, but it sounds like a lot. Sounds like a lot because like in movies, people do one line and they're like, whoa, you know, like six feels like that's too much. And ecstasy and vodka and wine and beer and pot. Like these things are all doing different things. Like how are you still standing up? The human body is capable of amazing things, including... Standing up with all of this in your system. So anyways, he leaves his Coke dealer's house at like 4 a.m. And he stopped by 7-Eleven to buy a pack of gum because Jasmine hated when his breath smelled like smoke. So when he gets to her house, he throws a rock at her window. She realizes he's there and she goes down to the basement and she lets him in the window that she usually sneaks out of in the basement. Now... The problem is because he's on vampire wine and coke and weed and ecstasy and beer and vodka, he is less than subtle. Like, he sounds like a hurricane. Deborah wakes up because she thinks Jasmine is sneaking out of the window. So she runs down to the basement in her nightgown, and instead of Jasmine, she encounters this man in a neoprene face mask coming at her with a knife. Oh my god. So she immediately put up the best fight she could. She started throwing hands and, you know, but he's got a knife. And he just started stabbing her and slashing her. He stabbed her about a dozen times in her torso. And is she around for this? Like, is she watching her mom get stabbed or is she not down there yet? No, Jasmine opened the window for him and then went back upstairs. Okay. But then 
he's not very subtle. He made a lot of noise. Right, right, right. Once he was like coming in the window. So that's that's when the mom went down. So no, Jasmine is back upstairs at this point. It makes sense. He's pissed drunk. He's on all kinds of drugs. Like, of course yeah. he's making noise, you know? Yeah. So she puts up this crazy good fight, but the screaming wakes up Mark, the dad. Normally I'd say that's a great thing, but we already know it's not. But So the screaming wakes up Mark and he grabs a screwdriver and runs down to the basement and he sees a man on top of his wife stabbing her. Sends him into overdrive. Yeah, that's got to be the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. So he immediately goes into attack mode and according to Jeremy, he came at him super fast and he got the upper hand right away. He knocked Jeremy to the ground and he started trying to stab him in the chest with the screwdriver. But it wasn't puncturing. So Jeremy, having the knife still, just started stabbing Mark with the knife in his torso and his arms and his hands and stuff. So Mark drops the screwdriver, but Jeremy says that's when Mark just grabbed his face and shoved his thumbs into Jeremy's eyes and tried to, like, rip his eyes out. Hell yeah. Yeah. And Jeremy said that Mark put up a raging fight. And the investigators would later say in interviews and stuff that that he was a warrior, that he fought like hell. Like there was blood. He was being stabbed. And even as he was being stabbed, he was choking Jeremy. He was trying to gouge his eyes out. He was doing everything he could, you know. Hell yeah. But finally, the blood loss was too much and it made Mark weak and he couldn't fight back anymore. And he fell backwards onto his back and he asked Jeremy, who are you? And then Jeremy didn't answer him. And when he fell on his back, he just looked up at him and said, why? And before Mark died, Jeremy responded, because you treat your daughter like shit. This is what your daughter wanted. Oh my God. So that's the last thing that Mark heard before he died was that his daughter wanted him dead. So... Jeremy goes upstairs and meets Jasmine in the kitchen, and they kiss and hug and tell each other they love each other. And so this dude's covered in her shit. parents' blood, uh-huh. and she's just like, "Baby, thank you. You're the best." Hundred percent. Wow. And she just heard this whole thing. Oh my god. Her family being murdered. Like this is crazy. Yeah. She really. Totally she is. They're both very sick people. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. So then she runs upstairs, and he thinks that she's like going to get her overnight bag or her I'm going to run away with you bag that she probably packed. But then Jeremy hears voices upstairs. He starts to go up the stairs and that's when he realizes that eight-year-old Jacob was like yelling at Jasmine like what's going on? What's happening? And she was trying to comfort him and calm him down and just telling him it's okay go to sleep. But she was actually trying to choke him out like she was trying to strangle him. Oh my god. And he was like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? And he, like, grabbed her arm and was, like, scratching at her and biting at her. And he got away. And he ran into the hallway, which is where Jeremy was. Either Jasmine or Jeremy said, we can't just leave him. They both say the other one is the one that said it. But one of them said, we can't just leave him. Erica, I hate this whole thing. Yeah. The investigators say that Jacob fought as hard as Mark did. Like, he fought like hell. There was blood everywhere. He was stabbed. There was blood all in the hallway, blood in his room. And eventually, his throat was cut, and he bled out and died on his bed. And Jeremy claims that Jasmine did it, and then calmly walked past him and told him to wait outside and she'd get her bag. And Jasmine says Jeremy did it. 
So neither one of them will admit that they did it. So, But either way, Jasmine told Jeremy to wait outside while she grabbed her bag. So he goes outside. But once he's outside, he panics. And he just jumps in his mom's whip and leaves. Just leaves her at the house with her dead family. <sighs> Which makes me a little bit believe that she's the one that killed her brother. Because I think it freaked him out when she did that. And she was so calm and like it didn't affect her. I think it freaked him out. And that's why he left. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm so I'm having a hard time with this one now. Like this is this is the worst one we've ever done. Yeah, it's awful. And it was a listener request from Carly. Carly, why? <laughs> so the, he freaks out, jumps in his mom's car, leaves. Jasmine, instead of freaking out and not even freaking out about him leaving her, she just calmly grabs her mom's purse and her overnight bag and walks to the Seven Eleven where she withdraws money from her mom's account from the ATM inside the 7-Eleven, and at like 5.30 a.m., she calls a cab to come get her and take her to Jeremy's trailer. What? Holy shit. Yep. It's better than I thought, which, I mean, it's no- nothing's good, but I thought you were going to say she just went to bed, and I was going to be like, uh, no. oh my God. I mean, this is bad, too. Oh, it gets worse. <gasps> How does it keep getting worse? Stop. Oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. So they shower and clean up all the blood all over themselves and bag up all the bloody clothes, and they throw them away in a dumpster behind like an apartment building, and then they have sex to celebrate. <laughs> And by have sex, I mean, obviously he raped her. I mean, she's a child. <laughs> she can't consent to that, but still. Oh, oh, yeah. Stop. Oh, my God. This is the worst case I've ever fucking heard. Uh-huh. So later that day, they went to another party with like a bunch of their friends and they had told a bunch of people at this party that they killed her. And everybody thought they were just like making it up. But Jeremy was bragging about it. And other witnesses say that Jasmine was even bragging and saying that she killed her little brother and that he gargled when he died and all this kind of like. But people thought they were just being obnoxious. Like they didn't think they actually did that because they were also being super gross and like making out and all over each other and doing like real illegal things on the couch like in front of everybody at this party how is everyone just okay with this like are there other couples that are a couple and i use the term couple very loosely but are there other couples who are like this age and this is just like the thing to do because like this i don't know i don't get it like i literally i am disgusted my body hurts i'm i I don't feel good anymore and it's gross and to be there in person seeing this like I would have killed this guy. I would have killed him. Yeah. (laughs) No kidding. So the one thing that I have heard everybody say in every, like, retelling of this story, every podcast, every news article, like, everything I've heard about this is that she looked older than 12. And I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't fucking matter. She is 12. Yeah. (sighs) That's why I haven't said that yet, because I'm like, I don't give a fuck if she looked 36. She is 12. Yeah. So... Yeah, and everybody matter. knows she's 12. So whether she looks 14 or... Because that's what everybody's like, well, she looks like 14 or 15. It's like, still illegal. Oh, my God. Even if she was 14 or 15, it's still illegal. <laughs> but she's 12. So anyway, after this party, later that night, their friend Kaylee came around, the one that had introduced them. Mm-hmm. And she was planning on running away again to a town called Leader, which is like kind of far away, but not that far, with some friends and asked Jasmine and Jeremy if they wanted to go because she knew they were planning on like running away together. But at this point, she says that she doesn't know about the murder. 
brothers. She thinks that they just want to run away together. So she asks them to go with her in this truck with like some friends to lead her. So Jeremy and Jasmine are like, yeah, I mean, this shit's about to go down when they find these bodies. So we need to get out of here. So they get in the truck with their friend Kaylee and then like, couple of her friends but there's no room in the cab of the truck so they ride in the bed oh jeez to this other town fine whatever i don't know that might be legal there i don't know i think it is i was just actually thinking about it i think that sounds kind of like a legal thing to do up north well it's legal in some states here even to ride in the bed of trucks i know it's not in either of the states we live in but like i know when i go to my brothers in arizona people ride in the beds of the trucks all the time yeah i mean maybe it's not legal but they do it <laughs> It's legal in Arizona. Yeah, I think it is. So anyway, we're now back to like the the night they found the bodies. Remember when Gareth and his mom found the bodies and called the cops? I could never forget. We've caught up to that again. So news of the murder starts spreading like all over the TV, newspapers, stuff like people are talking and they issue an Amber Alert for Jasmine right away. Like we talked about in the beginning and the friends from the party where they were bragging about killing her parents that they thought they were kidding, started seeing this news coverage and stuff, and they were like, uh-oh, holy shit. They actually did it? They thought they were just talking. So when they realize that it's real and that they actually killed their parents, they all start going to the cops. Oh, thank God. Kids just start funneling into the police department, and they're like, hey, look, we thought this was a joke. We didn't realize that they actually did this. They came to the party, told, you know, they told them the whole story. They told them how before they'd asked for help, you know, all that. They told them everything. They also gave them a description of the truck that they went to leader in, and they told the cops, like, they're going to leader, this town leader, and they're in this truck with some friends who also don't know that they just murdered their family, by the way. So, meanwhile, in the town of Leader, this rookie cop who's, like, on his first or second shift as a cop. Oh, God. Yeah. He's on the lookout for this truck. And he just had, like, a moment of clarity. And he's like, they're going to need gas at some point. So, he stakes out the gas station that's, like, on the way into town. And... He sees a truck pull up that matches the description and a couple of teenagers go inside the store and he's like, this is the truck we're looking for. Like, what a good on cop. his first day as a cop. A good yeah, cop. I know. That kind of sucks, though, to like peak like that on your first shift. <laughs> the United like, States needs to have was... Canadian police training because they're really good at this. Yeah. So this is when Kaylee and their friends go inside the store to get like drinks and chips and stuff like that. And Jasmine and Jeremy stayed out in the truck. When they walk in the store, they see Jasmine's face plastered all over the papers in the store and all over the TV and everything. They were like, oh shit, like it says like her family's all murdered and now we can't find her. And they say they didn't know at this point that she had murdered her family, but they buy the paper and they bring it out to her. And to me, it's like, if you didn't know, I don't feel like you would tell your friend her whole family's dead by handing her the newspaper that says it. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a... <laughs> That's an interesting yeah. situation. Well, to maybe be in. when you're 13, who knows? They don't know how to deal with shit. So they say when they gave the paper to Jasmine, she giggled, and Jeremy said, "That doesn't even look like you." <laughs> what the? F <laughs> what planet do these people live on? Yeah, it's a picture of her fucking face. How does it not look like her? Just because she doesn't have eyeliner on or something? Like, what? Stupid. So this is when the girls that they're with are like, oh. And they realize that they killed her family. Like, they say based on their reaction to that newspaper, they're like, holy shit, you killed your parents. Obviously. So they drive to a parking lot to figure out what to do. They're like, what do we do? They killed her parents. You know, they're trying to talk amongst each other and stuff, you know? So when they get to this parking lot, 
Jasmine and Jeremy start to tell them, okay, here's what happened. And here's what you're going to tell the cops when they catch us. Jasmine snuck out at 11. We went to the Coke dealer's house. Jeremy and the Coke dealer got in a fist fight, which is how I got the black eyes. The friends are like, oh my God, they're trying to get their story straight. And like, they want us to lie for them, like about killing their parent. Like they realize like shit's going bad. This is unreal. Yeah. So they all know what happened at this point, but they don't know what to do. And Mind you, these kids are like 13, 14. I don't know. I don't know who's driving this car. Maybe that person might be 16, but they're young. And so they don't know what to do. So they're kind of just like in this holding pattern waiting and they all lay down. I don't know if they're taking a nap or what, but that cop that had spotted them at the gas station had followed them to this parking lot and now his backup arrived. So they approached the truck and they took all the three friends into custody and Jasmine and Jeremy were in the bed of the truck under a blanket with no fucking pants on. Oh my God. Why does it keep getting worse? So everyone's going to jail. No questions asked. I mean, there's kids with no pants on. There's 13-year-olds running away, driving truck. Like, this is all, besides the murders, everybody's going to jail. Good. So, obviously, the cops take them to the station, and these kids are fucking assholes. Like, from the jump. In the police car, they're talking about how they're going to cry rape, like that the cops raped them. And even when they're waiting to, like, talk to the police, they're stealing shit out of the cops' desks and stuff. Like, this is real life, guys. You're on video. You're in a police station. They're just real shit kids. Like, just the bottom of the barrel kids. Yeah. I Yeah. I'd, I'd say that's the nicest way to describe that. Yeah. Yeah. Just real a bunch of lunatics and they're shit talkers like big running their mouths being shit talkers once they're separated they all fucking sing like canaries and they're like oh my god we were so scared and we didn't know anything so they tell the police everything including jasmine and jeremy they admit like as soon as they start interviewing them they just start spilling the beans on what happened i'm not terribly surprised because i think they're proud of it like i don't think that they're like yeah oh man how do we get away with it I, like They're telling people because they like what they just did. Well, I also don't think they thought through the aftermath. Like, they did it. They had one day together, and then it was like, now what do we do? Like, they didn't come up with an after plan. No surprise there. They're they're lunatics, and they're young. They're young lunatics. Yeah. Well, she's young. He's a criminal. He's still young. Who's also young. I know. I know. I was really dumb when I was 23. Not this dumb. I was dumb. Of course. Yeah. So the biggest issue that the police have is interrogating kids is like a big problem everywhere, but especially in Canada. Like they have special laws that like protect kids and they have to sign like all these documents. And obviously her parents aren't around to okay any of this because they fucking killed them. So the cops follow these rules as best as as they can, but it's like always a problem. And they probably should have had a lawyer there for her, whether she asked for one or not, because she's 12 and they didn't. So they try all these different interrogation tactics on Jasmine. And the one that ended up working was a young, good looking cop came in that was like maybe 30, 35. And he acted like a friend and kind of was like, like, hey, you know, talk to her about bands. Like he and she fucking fell for it because she's 12. (laughs) And she's like, oh, you smell good. Like this is totally not appropriate, but I see why they did it this way. Yeah. Because it worked. 
So she finally told the police what happened, and she admitted to choking Jacob and stabbing him in the chest, but she said that she couldn't kill him, and he was screaming that he was too young to die, so Jeremy ended up slitting his throat. And Jeremy's story was exactly the same, but he swears he did everything that night except kill Jacob. He says that she killed Jacob, and it freaked him out, pretty much. Like, she was so calm about it. That's why he boned out and left, because killing because killing a child like really hit him in that moment you know and how calm she was about it well i'm glad we found this idiot's breaking point like what was it gonna take yeah no shit obviously this so then the cops do something kind of interesting they have her write an apology letter to her parents which is interesting because that's kind of what you do with kids like when they get in trouble you're like okay you need to write these sentences down on why you did this wrong or whatever like right But they were kind of smart about this. They were hoping that this apology letter to her parents would be like a pseudo confession, you know, like a written confession. That's pretty smart. Yeah, it was really smart. It was a great tactic and she did it. But in her apology letter, she took zero blame, had no remorse, nothing. She pretty much was just like, you know, you have to forgive Jeremy. He did it because he loved me and da 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 and you wouldn't let us be together. And so she pretty much just blamed Jeremy in this whole thing. So at this point, they've got Jeremy. I mean, he's admitted to everything. He admitted to killing her parents. Like, I mean, they got him. And they have a lot on Jasmine, but they knew they needed more because of how young she was. They knew that she'd be getting off with something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, yeah. and they just had a feeling that she was like the mastermind of this almost. And like in a weird way, they obviously manipulated each other because she's 12. But he's also kind of not all there mentally, you know. So they decide to tell her, which is also another genius move, that they will pass notes to Jeremy for her like if she wants to write Jeremy a note they'll take it over and give it to him and let him read it and then respond to her and and she thought that was a great idea too so they started writing notes back and forth to each other that they were giving to the cops and the cops were making a photocopy and then going and giving them the note so off topic slightly but I did look up Jeremy and Jasmine and I will say she does not look 12 doesn't make this any more right but she doesn't look 12 no but these two together like uh, Jeremy looks like a real creep Yeah, he is a real creep. Well, yeah, it's probably why he looks like it. Yeah. So I was thinking of this, too, when they were having him write the notes back and forth. I'm like, what are they going to gain from this? But they're obviously, like, hoping that they say something incriminating in the letters or get in a fight and then one of them turns on the other one. I don't know. But in my mind, I'm like, why don't you just put them in a room together and let them talk and videotape it? But then I was like, oh, right, because she's 12 and he's a pedophile. (laughs) That's obviously... So she, like in these letters, she called him Loverly Basante. Like, what the fuck is it? You're just making up words? <laughs> sounds what does like that it. even mean? Certainly sounds like made up words. Yeah. So they're making up stuff. These, no- these notes are stupid, but they admit to everything, the murders and everything in these notes. But they're not like, sorry, or we shouldn't have done it. They're literally just like, damn it, we should have ran sooner. Like, and maybe not told so many people and we would have got away with this. It's like, no, you wouldn't have. Oh my gosh. Like, you're fucked. <laughs> you 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 left every piece of evidence possible and then some and then told everybody about it. So I'm like, this fucking guy wrote songs about killing your parents and posted them on his MySpace. Like you were not gonna get away with this if you had run sooner. Get real. Right, right. Everyone saw this coming. Yeah. So it turns out once they're in custody and awaiting trial, it turns out he's a bigger pedophile than we thought because he's calling other 13, 14-year-old girls from 
jail, like calling his other little girlfriends. It's like he wasn't even oh. monogamous. To, I'm like, you killed a girl's parents and you're cheating on her? Makes no sense. Wow. He ends up having like all these little 13, 14 year old groupies that come like outside of the courthouse on his court dates and stuff and like are cheering for him and they post stuff on their MySpace like and on their vampire lover's site that they're moshing for him every night in the mosh pit. Like I don't know what that means, but I'm pretty sure moshing is like I, in a mosh pit, right? I, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that turns into a whole weird thing. He's got, like, like followers. I don't know. It's a fucking nightmare. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> so he even confessed to another inmate on a transport van that he did, like, unsolicited. He just started talking to this inmate on a transport van and was like, yeah, I killed my girlfriend's parents. What? You know? And then the guy was like, oh, shit, did you kill her brother, too? And he's like, no, she killed her own brother. Like, There's just conversation going on about this? Yeah. So it turns out the other inmate was a plant. He was a cop. Oh. They dressed up like another inmate. And the van was wired with sound, so they got all this on, you know, video, whatever. Dude, Canadian police. Yeah, they're pretty good. I, at least in this case, they were pretty good. Yeah. If somebody would have just tipped him off before the murders, they probably would have stopped this. They probably would tip him off at this point, but... Not in 06. Yeah. They didn't have their own individual Royal Canadian Mounted Police with them. Yeah. So it takes over a year for Jasmine and Jeremy to go to trial. And when they do, she goes to trial first and she pleads not guilty because her defense was that she was a child and Jeremy forced her to do all of this stuff and he's the one who did all the killings. Convenient. Yeah, this kind of worked in a way too because her confession was thrown out because of the whole her being a kid thing without a lawyer. Like I said, that's real tricky in Canada. Yeah. And during her trial, her identity was supposed to be kept hidden because she was so young. But, of course, that got leaked to the media and all that, so everybody knows her name now. But because all of her friends testified, experts testified, Jasmine herself testified, which did not help her at all. She was a hot mess. Her story was full of holes. The prosecutor was just like, so your boyfriend killed your family? And she's like, yep. And she's like, why didn't you say anything? And she's like, because I was scared of him. She goes, what about when he left you at your house? Why didn't you call 911? And she's like, oh, I just, I was scared of him. She's like, what about when you went to 7-Eleven and took money out of your mom's ATM card and talked to the cashier? How come you didn't tell that guy, like, hey, my boyfriend just killed my whole family? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Like, her her testimony did not help her at all. No, it sounds terrible. Yeah. But, I mean, she's 12. I'm sure it was terrible. So the jury deliberated for like a couple hours, which is probably more than they needed. They probably ate lunch first. And then they found her guilty of all three counts of murder. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. But because of her age, the maximum she would be able to receive was like six years in confinement. But the judge didn't want to put her in prison because of her age and her obvious mental health issues and, you know, everything going on. So he used some kind of loophole and her mental illness, which they've never disclosed what that is. It's private. She's been diagnosed with something, but it's not public what that is. He gave her a special sentence, which is like in Canada, they have like options where they can do different things. And she was sentenced to a rehab facility instead of a prison. I I mean, I do think that's a probably... A good thing. I am all about rehabilitation and whatnot. So she's only 12. Like, I mean, I hope it was a good thing for her. But do you have a update on her? Well, she was released from this facility in 2012. She did another four years on supervised release. 
And then in 2017, her record was expunged and her identity was changed to protect her privacy. And she is free as a bird. She could do anything she wants. That's terrifying. She could work at a school. That is terrifying. Did she have to clear any like psychiatric evaluations or anything? Like something had to have happened. Yeah, but yeah, of course. But so did Ed Kemper. That's true. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I wow. mean, they're, they're not foolproof. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I don't necessarily disagree with the sent. I do disagree with the sentence. I think she should have gotten some kind of jail time, but I do also understand how young she was. I understand the sentence, but I don't understand changing her identity and expunging her record. That's crazy to me. That is kind of crazy. And I do get like they want her to have a chance at a normal life, but it's like you have to protect other people. Like this girl's a murderer at 12. What's she going to do when she's a full person? I know. It's, it's really hard because, you know, again, I'm totally all about rehabilitation and second chances and stuff, but this was bad. This was really bad. It was perpetually long, you know, planned out and, yeah. you know, and, but again, she was 12. I know. But my biggest issue with it is that you could live next door to this girl and you don't know. Yeah. I see changing her identity. That kind of, that I kind of don't agree with that. Yeah. Like, if you're going to let her out, then she's got to deal with the fact that she is Jasmine Richardson. Like, you don't get to give her a new name and a new life. And then what happens in 10 years when she kills somebody else? Yeah. And then everybody's like, hey, we probably should have told people that she was living in that neighborhood or working at that school or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think the Ed Kemper defense is probably the biggest one because I probably would have been like, yeah, no, I think, you know, she spent enough time. She did her thing. She got rehabilitated. Great. Let's give her a second chance. But then again, like you said, you think about Ed Kemper and kind of what he did, how he manipulated the system to go on to be a terrible ser serial killer. Yeah. There's another case down in Florida. Well, it didn't start in Florida. It started wherever he was from. But this kid, he was like 12 or 13. And he killed his family, like his mom and his sister, or he tried to kill his mom and his sister, but he only killed his mom. And then they sent him to a psychiatric facility too. And then he was released. He lived a totally normal life until he was like an adult and married. And then he became a serial killer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough, but maybe once that, you know, is in you, that is in you, you know, it's hard to get, it's, you can't get it out, I guess. I, I don't know. Luckily, we're not there. We've never been there, but hopefully never will be. Yeah. I just don't like the expunging her record thing. Like, to me, that's like. I think that she, might be too I mean, far, she yeah. killed an eight-year-old, like, and she could be a second grade school teacher. Like, you don't know what she's doing. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. Expunging her record and changing her name and all that kind of stuff, like, was probably a step too far, but I get it, but I don't necessarily agree agree with it. Yeah. So Jeremy also went to trial. He had a bogus defense. His defense was that it was self-defense. He says that he was sneaking into Jasmine's house and her parents caught him and attacked him. So he had to kill him because <laughs> they were trying to kill him. Yeah. Never mind the songs that he had written about this or the poems. Or, right, right, right. You know, the. No, no, no. That's none of that counts. That was right. all just just kidding. You know, <laughs> good one. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, well, what about her brother, though? Like, he he was eight. You know, he weighed like 60 pounds. Like, I'm sure he didn't attack you. And he's like, well, I didn't kill her brother. She killed her brother. So that's not my problem. Like, this is his defense. It's stupid. Yeah. Worst defense. It's all bad. Yeah, it doesn't work either because all of his friends testified against everybody. Was like, oh, yeah, he asked me 400 times to help kill her parents, you know. So it didn't work. And he's convicted of three counts of murder. And he's sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. So he's eligible for parole in 2033. I hope that he stays there. <laughs> I mean, 
again, I'm all about yeah. re- rehabilitation and stuff, but like this was so planned out and so disturbing. Like, honestly, this is the worst case we have ever covered. Bar none. I, I do really well with this kind of stuff. Obviously, so do you. And this one was tough. I didn't like this one at all. Yeah. No, it sucks. Thanks, Carly. Yeah. Thanks, Carly. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about it. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, and it had a relatively happy ending. You know, he's in jail and stuff, but. Yeah. Oh, and he changed his name to Jackson May in, in jail, which I don't know why. Jackson May. Yeah. I don't care. Which is not any less lame than his other names. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess they won't call him Stinky anymore, so. Yeah, maybe that's why. I don't know. The whole thing is, like, it's it's bad. It's a whole thing. It's all bad. Yep. It's all bad. Well, let's try to end on a good note. We should. And tell me something happy. <laughs> actually, you can tell me something happy. We didn't go over what uh, what song was popular when this started. What was the number one on the oh. billboard charts? <laughs> oh, I did forget to say that. It was uh, What Hurts the Most by Rascal Flatts. <sighs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like, here, it's worse. It's worse. It's worse. It's worse. It's a little bit better. And then it's worse again. Like, come on, man. <laughs> I thought we were talking hey, about the country charts, not Rascal Flats. <laughs> hey, they're better than Florida Georgia Line, although yeah. they're the pre-Florida Georgia Line. Yeah, this is true. That's uh, man. They opened the floodgates for Florida Georgia Line. Oh, for sure. That singer, the lead singer with his like floofy haircut and his frosted tips. Gary LaVox. Whatever. I don't know his name. I actually don't think that's his last name. I think I mispronounce it like because I've never heard it said. I only just read it and it's L-E-V-O-X, but I think it's French and I think it's Lavoy. It doesn't matter. I don't care. This whole thing okay. sucked from the beginning <laughs> to the end. This episode was... I'm happy we have 60. I wish we'd never done this one. This one sucked. This one was a terrible See why thing. I didn't want you to research this one though? Yeah, I probably would have said no, honestly. Like if I had Yeah, because you would have started researching it and you would have been like, We're not doing any of this. I think you're right. I really think you're right. I think I would have been like, Hey, um, about that one, turn it off. We're done. Yeah. So all right. Well, let's get going because it's been like um a gazillion hours that we've been recording this podcast. We'll try to so long. cut it down to like one or two for you guys to listen to. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess thank you for telling me the story. I I'm going to not sleep extremely well tonight, so thank you for that. Yeah, especially because you have a 12-year-old in your house. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. I think I could take him, though. Well, don't forget to change your Amazon smile to DNA Doe Project. (sighs) And tune in next time. (laughs) They're better than this, I promise. All right. I love you. Terrible. I love you, too. I hate this case, though. I know. We'll go now so you can go do something fun. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.